teacher visioning, what it is and why it matters. It's coming up on the Teaching Literacy Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Literacy Podcast. I am your host, Jake Downs. I'm a literacy coordinator for a local school district, an adjunct instructor at Utah State University, and a PhD graduate of that institution. Welcome to the show. This podcast is all about bridging literacy research into practice. If you are new here, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. If you are a returning listener, thank you also very much for joining us today. I just want to give a shout out to everyone that has shared this episode with a colleague or with a friend or has even listened to an episode more than once. The show is really experiencing some remarkable growth right now, and I attribute that to you, the listeners, going and sharing this with your colleagues and using it for your own professional learning. Just as a reminder, if you're interested in donating to the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. There are some technology upgrades I'm looking to work on, and then also just the the ongoing costs of, of hosting and that sort of thing for the podcast. So if you're interested in donating to the podcast, you can do that from Venmo. You can go to at TeachLitPod from the business side. This isn't a business, but that's just how I had to do it. Or you can go to teachingliteracypodcast.com, click on About Your Host, and there is a link where you can donate securely via PayPal. Much appreciation in advance for considering that. So with that, let's get to today's episode. Uh, Today's guest is a returning guest and also a guest who was very popular when she was on the show the first time around. I'm very excited to re-interview on the show Dr. Margaret Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn is an associate professor in the College of Education at Washington State University. And today we're going to be talking about teacher visioning. She recently completed a systematic review of teacher visioning. And a systematic review is where you go and find all the research that's available on a particular topic and you read all of it and then you pull out patterns and findings across that field of literature. So Dr. Vaughn has already done quite a bit in the teacher visioning field before this, but this just takes it up to the next level. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode today. I would also highly recommend checking out Dr. Vaughn's previous episodes. You can go back and check out episode eight, which was adaptive literacy teaching. And you can also check out episode nine, Student Agency in Literacy, way back there in the archives, episode eight and nine. Enjoy the show. And after the interview, make sure to stick around for my two cents on the topic. Dr. Margaret Vogt, welcome back to the Teaching Literacy Podcast. Thanks, Jake, for having me. It's great to see you again and and visit. So last time we had you on the show was uh, about two years ago, uh, about this this same time of year. And we um, talked about both uh, student agency. We talked about um, teacher adaptability. And you've done great stuff in those um, areas since then. But there's also, you recently just came out with a uh, systematic review on teacher visioning, uh, which I, I really appreciate and I think has important implications for the folks you know, listening to the show. So can you just give us an idea of what, what drew you to conducting research in the area of, of teacher visioning? Well, it, it started back when I was a doctoral student and um, Dr. Jerry Duffy uh, was my mentor, is my mentor, and he's just, you know, pivotal in the research on, on teacher visioning. And so 
you know, his, his conception of visioning was this idea that teachers balance a variety of different round stones, right? And so what is it and how do we sort of cultivate that and how do we honor that um, diverse approach? And so the, the idea that teachers have this vision, it's this idea, this conception, this what it is that they're striving to do as a teacher to support um, their work and their students. And so I have to say that when I was a doctoral student way back when, that was when my, um, my, you know, my passion for visioning started because just even reflecting as a teacher, it's, it's something that really struck with me. I didn't know what it was at the time that it was called, but, you know, there was something beyond the curriculum. There was something beyond the state and local district mandates that made me really want to teach in the manner that I taught. So um, I think it also just dates back then too, when I was a classroom teacher. I think it's something that teachers can really, you know, relate to of is there, uh, you know, a larger, a larger purpose? Is there a, a bigger reason for instruction beyond just, um, you know, the, the, the mandates and the standards and, 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 and being able to use those as, uh, you know, leveraging, you know, potentially a vision rather than just, you know, being a checklist. But, uh, so can, can you just provide with us a brief definition? What is a teacher vision and, and how does a teacher know if they have a vision or not? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think in sort of its purest form, it's, it's a vision is what a teacher strives to accomplish as a teacher, right? So what is it you're doing and why is it that you're doing what it is you're doing, if that makes sense. Um, and so, um, you know, why are you, you know, why are you a teacher? What are you hoping to accomplish as a classroom teacher? Is it, you know, um, to, to, you know, support and develop and motivate students to want to learn? Is it to help them to develop a mindset beyond school and a life beyond schooling? And so I think it's this idea of what, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Um, it kind of goes back to that pure kind of core, uh, those core questions. Yeah. Uh, something you, you talk about is how dynamic and complex and, and even at times charged the education environment is um, you know, right now, and, and you sort of frame uh, a teacher vision or a teacher, you know, visioning as, as being almost a, seems like an antidote to, to some of that, or perhaps a way to mitigate some of those pressures. Can you elaborate on, on that perspective? Yeah. So, so Hammerness talks about this as well. She, she's done a really great job, Karen Hammerness on, you know, she talks about if you don't have a vision, any path will do. And so, um, I think about myself and the fact that I would get lost going down the same street. I'm, I'm very, I, I don't have a very strong sense of direction. And so I often equate that idea with visioning, right? And so if we don't have a vision for what it is we want to do, right? It's kind of on our GPS. If it's not on our GPS, how do we know? How do we work toward that? How do we, how do we sort of stay strong in the context that we're all teaching in COVID? right? Post-COVID, pre-COVID, right? All of the educational sort of reforms that have come and gone since, you know, since I've been in the work and, and will continue on. Um, so I think the idea is how do you, you know, your vision is what will hold you true, will sort of keep you on your path. You know, it's your GPS, right? It's going to help you not get lost as you're, you know, you're going to destination to destination. And I think um, it becomes that tool that I think is so vital right now it always has been, but I think even more so now, I think remembering what we're doing and what you're doing in the classroom and why you're doing it and 
holding true to that and recognizing that this, these are challenging times, but sticking to that vision, I think will help guide you um, in the context that we're all living in right now. Change is the only constant, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I like that way that you frame it, um, despite the changes and, and the, the, the ongoing changes that will be happening, the, the vision gives you your path to whether you know you're being successful and, and using those other aspects to help determine that as well, but being able to, to see your direction of where you want to head. Um, I, I really like, oh yeah, sorry. Oh, oh no, sorry. You know, and, and visions change too, they shift, right? So although, you know, you, you know, my vision when I was a first grade teacher, you know, it's different from now, my vision as a, um, a pre-service teacher, right? And in, in, in the field, but there's some core similarities, right? I really want to work toward making schools better for kids, right? And so, you know, your vision changes over time, your experiences, your your own history as an individual, as, you know, your own experiences, your own background, but it shifts and it should shift, right? It shouldn't be the same as it was 10 to 15 years ago. It should be developing, but also staying true to some of those core principles as well. I love that. That's fantastic. So with teacher visioning, you completed a systematic review and that that means that you tried to find every article on teacher visioning possible, every, everything out there that's ever been published. And then you went through and you reviewed each of them individually, collected data off it. Can you briefly just elaborate on, on what that process looked like for you and, and why this sort of technique was a good fit for the, for what you wanted to know about teacher vision? Well, so my colleagues and I, um, uh, doctors Amanda Wall, Royal Kowalski's, Seth Parsons, and uh, Vera and Sutra Raska. Um, you know, we worked really hard on figuring out visioning. I mean, we all had different experiences with visioning. Some of us former um, students with Dr. Jerry Duffy, and so we all sort of had a, a, a interest in visioning. And Vera um, also did a, a, a project on visioning with as a doctoral student. And so, um, you know, the idea for systematic review stems from this idea of what do we want to know? What's happening in the field? And part of our conversations that we've had for over the years, because we've studied visioning now for quite over a decade. And so some of the conversations, you know, I've had with, with my colleagues is that, you know, it's not being so widely adopted. You know, why, why are we not seeing a little bit more around visioning? And how do we, how do we all get smarter about this work? And what we found is different pockets of areas of research call it something different, right? Personal practical theories or some connected to identity. It, sort of, it seems to sort of change with the tide, right? In terms of um, different researchers call it different thing. But at the core, it's really looking at what a teacher strives to accomplish as a teacher and what it is that they want to do for, with, to, with and for their students. Um, and so it really stemmed from this inquiry of, uh, you know, I asked it, what is going on in, in the work? What, where are we? What do we want to, you know, who else is talking about visioning and how can we get smarter as a, as a group of colleagues working on this topic so that we can, we can try to bring attention to it, but also figure out what's going on with it. Um, so it was great. I mean, you, you know, you do so much reading about a topic that's related to your interest in and it, it, it's really, um, it's really a great process to, to just get smarter, which I think is always fun. Well, Chip, been the, they're not for the faint of heart. I, yeah. I did one for my dissertation. Yeah. They are time consuming and, and there is shades of different, different researchers talk about these things in different ways. And it's, where's the overlap and, and where is the difference? And 
uh, it's, it's very mind stretching work. So kudos to you and your, your colleagues for doing this. Thank you. Uh, so you, you found 68 different studies. Can you just give an overview of uh, just some general groups that you found within that overall corpus that would be meaningful to our listeners? Yeah. So um, I'm just going to pull the, the document real quick. So so what we did is we looked at some different um, ways that in the field people have talked about concepts related to visioning, like teacher identities or teacher ideals or um, teacher implicit theories. And so we found these categories and then we looked within it, um, within these studies to look at the types of um, what the research designs were, what were the theoretical frameworks, where these studies were situated. Um, and so those were some of the big, the larger topics that we looked at to sort of look at the micro ways that they talked about anything related to a vision or anything related to this central component as to why teachers were wanting to do what it is they they do. So then with that, you found that um, you divided the different factors of visioning into contextual factors and teacher factors and then experiences or, or history. Um, so with the contextual factors, what, what contextual factors served as affordances or what contextual factors facilitated teacher visioning? Yeah. So training, so different types of training programs, right. And then also the context. So for example, um, context where schools were supportive of teachers wanting to perhaps be adaptive or be flexible or, you know, if a vision was to um, teach reading in such a way where students could um, have engagement with texts or, you know, have book clubs or doing different things aside from, let's say, a standardized curricular approach. If a context was flexible, that was viewed then as an affordance, right? Um, the same with training. If they were provided with training or sought training to kind of help work toward their um, dimensions of their their vision and kind of conversely a barrier could also be the school district right it could also be um uh lots of times we looked at studies where a district had a certain mandate that really conflicted with a teacher's vision or what it is that they wanted to do and we i've seen that in my own research with with teachers um you know where that is a a continual thing right so many teachers that want to teach, let's say, literacy, which is the work that I do, right? They want to teach literacy in a way that's engaging to students, supportive of students' cultural, linguistic backgrounds. Um, and maybe sometimes it doesn't align with the standardized prescriptive approach that they have. Um, and also sometimes knowledge is a barrier. So for instance, if you want to teach in a manner that is in a certain way, but you don't necessarily feel like you have that particular knowledge to do so, that could also be a barrier um, as well. So then within that um, teacher level factors, what, what, uh, which teacher level factors did you find as, as elements of teacher visioning? Yeah. So, you know, this idea of like teachers having that agency, you know, and, and I've, you know, we've talked together before about agency. And so as it pertains to teachers, it's, it's having, having that vision, having those ideas and being able to act on that, that you know, their, their vision or the, their ideals or the ways that they want to accomplish what they're, they're thinking in their classroom, you know, it goes back to also their beliefs. So if they had, you know, strong beliefs about what they wanted to accomplish or what they wanted to do and how they enacted that in the context, um, you know, they reflected and they acted upon those um, different factors in the context of their, their teaching or, or their thinking about their teaching. 
and then experiences. How does that fit in with, uh, you know, the history and experiences fit in with um, visioning as, as well? Yeah, so this really relates a lot to some of the dimensions we found, like teacher identities, some of the different studies that were really connected to that, teacher implicit theory use, um, some of the, the research that is done in that way. So, you know, when you think about even your own vision, Jake, and the work that you're doing, you know, you're, it's complex, right? It's connected to your self as a former classroom teacher, as a doctoral student, as a parent, as a citizen, as a community member. And so we, you know, we really saw in the, in the work that, you know, your vision isn't just this standalone thing, right? that's disconnected from all of that. It's connected to your own historical experiences, your own ways of schooling that you, when you were a classroom teacher or when you were a student, how that fits into the context of, um, you know, your experiences, you know, what, who you are, you know, we're not just the person we are, you know, it's not just on that surface level. There's so many different experiences connected back. And also in the future, right? Like I said, as we started, you know, your vision that you have it and, now is, is probably going to be different at the end of this year, right? I mean, it's continually shaping and, and reforming. And, you know, that's kind of how we develop that sense of self as teachers and our identities as teachers in the work. So I, I found those three areas um, very interesting and, and really complementary of there's contextual factors, right? Factors beyond the teacher and that involves, you know, national level things and state level things and district level things and school level things that there's um, you know, the, the, the Russian doll kind of approach there where there's layers of, of things that might affect that, but there's also things within the teacher that, you know, teachers, you know, disposition, uh, or, you know, the way they collaborate with other teachers, but also their personal, you know, histories and, and, um, experiences there. So what I, what I like about what you did with your systematic review is you take those three areas and you, you create this model for teacher visioning, um, can you explain the sort of the impetus of why you wanted to create a model or why you felt that was something to be created? And then just explain how do these, how do these components interact? Cause there's a lot of, I listen to you say those and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. But it's like, wow, how did these fit? How do these fit together? Uh, can you illuminate some of that for us? So lots of times with, um, with um, some of the, re- the systematic review of the process, you, you want to have some sort of culminating model or culminating concept about what it is that you found. And so with this systematic view, that's exactly what we developed is this conceptual framework, this model of um, what these factors sort of need in the context of the work um, and how it can guide us forward to maybe talk about visioning as this interconnecting uh, model of, of teacher thinking and their experiences um, and histories, the factors, the contextual and the teacher factors. So it's it's hard to kind of conceptualize it and talk about it um, uh, in a in a succinct way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a try. Um, so the way that the way that I think about our model that's in the in the article is that you know it's circular. So that's the first thing to notice, right? So it's not just about who you were, your experiences and histories. It's it's interconnected, right? So when we think about who we are, who we were, and our past experiences or current experiences our histories, we also kind of intermix that with our, the, what we know about good teaching, right? Those teacher factors, like our knowledge of, of practice, of pedagogy, 
our effective model of what we know about teaching instruction in the different disciplines, right? We also connect it with our beliefs of who we are as individuals and also teacher beliefs about what we value and think is important in the work. And then we continually think about that. You know, we use that metacognition to have a sense of agency of, as we weave together um, our vision and are connected to our experiences. And then we exist in, in the world, right? We exist in schools. We're not just theoretical people living in, you know, in some kind of a theoretical land. We're bound by our, the contextual factors. So we're in a school that's in a district, that's in a state, that's in a country, right? And so there are those kind of provide us with barriers or sometimes that can be important. And so as you use your vision, you're balancing. It is almost like you're juggling. You're you're balancing all of your experiences, your histories, all of those factors, contextual and the teacher factors, to really weave and articulate your vision day to day, month to month, year by year, right? Whenever it with across your discipline. And it it and it takes constant reflection and action. It's refinements, just that continual cycle of refinement and thinking, kind of that recursive uh, um, process. Does that make sense? Yeah, you did a great job of saying that succinctly. Um, so, you know, with this, uh, what, something I appreciate about your your work is uh, you're not afraid to go, you know, big, right? Like teacher visioning and uh, teacher adaptation, you know, adaptable teaching and student agency, um, which is, it's very, it's not for the faint to part. You know, Edward Thorndike said, you know, if it exists, it can be measured. And if it can be measured, it can be measured to some degree. But it's, you know, these things are really tricky and hard to measure and so that has to be done qualitatively or you can develop scales to it quantitatively in interviews and focus groups but can you can you connect some dots for us on how you see teacher visioning connect with um like teacher adaptability adaptive teaching and uh student agency because I, I see those as being as having some important overlap yeah so um so yeah i mean i i think we talk about this often too um, Jake, and I'm so appreciative of the opportunity to to make those conceptual connections because I think from for me in the way that I've seen the work and I, I think they're all so interconnected, right? So you have a vision that's that's connected to all of these contextual experiences, right? Um, all of your experiences as a teacher and the context that you teach. Now you have your vision. You're in the classroom. You try to articulate your vision. You make those adaptations in the context of your teaching to support students. And in doing so, you really want to have students help lead classroom, uh, you know, classroom level decisions, right? So you want to support students' agency, right? I don't think you'd ever could find a, a teacher that has a vision that says, you know, I really just want to cultivate programmatic kids. You know, I wanted I want to have unmotivated learners in the context of my class. That's my vision, right? Now, I don't think there's no teacher that's ever said that, right? And so, so I think, you know, you have your vision as that guide and you make modifications or adaptations as you're teaching to fit that vision, right? And then in doing so, more than likely your vision is going to have some dimension to support kids, to develop their voice, right? Um, not always, but... Um, that's the way that I see that in your connected is that your vision is the guide. Um, it guides me in my work, you know, as a, as a teacher now when I'm in schools, you know, what am I doing and why am I doing it? I continually ask that. And it more than always likely is about 
supporting kids in their agency or teachers in their agency. And so what are my actions or changes to what I'm thinking I'm going to do to support that um, in the context of what I'm teaching? So something like this, it's not, uh, you know, like, it's it's not a hokey thing. It's not this, this, you know, cheesy, uh, you know, thing. It's something that um, really, I think, helps create for a strong, robust, resilient, competent, expert teacher over time. Um, you know, education hinges on having strong teachers. Um, I think so. I think so. I mean, and I think, I think especially now, I mean, I think, I think about when I was a teacher and my administrator said, you know what, we're going to sort the kids. We want all the low kids to go to one class. We want all the medium kids to go to another class and all the high kids to go to another class for reading. And I was like, whoa, that, that, that's not, that's not going to help anyone nor the kids that are at any of these different levels, quote unquote, that you're, you're deciding to. Um, and I think what helped me have that agency to speak back to that was having that vision of saying, you know, I want to create equitable spaces in schools for kids, right? Like I want to have a classroom where my kids feel they have a sense of belonging and they have agency. And so um, in a kind of a, in a theory to practice type of way, it gives you the armor to, to speak back to maybe some of those practices that we know that are, um, you know, credit to administrators. I don't think, you know, they, I think they're also under pressure as well, but um, I think it gives you the fortitude to speak back to, um, to things that may be challenging. And that's easy for me to say, cause I'm not in, in a classroom right now, but um, I do, I do see the value of it being as a tool to help guide you in decisions that, um, yeah, I don't think it's healthy. I think it really helps to connect you with your, the purpose as to why you even went into the field to begin. Yeah. To, to engage in, in and yeah. facilitate in thoughtful dialogue and thoughtful collaboration around what, you know, what, what, what do we want our learners to be? What, how do we want to shape and shift and mold them? And, um, I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, getting to some more theory to practice here, what, what recommendations would you make for a teacher wanting to create a vision, uh, for themselves? Yeah. So, um, I think a couple things to, to think about, right, is, you know, you can, you can simply ask yourself, you know, what is my vision for teaching? That can be really hard, right, because it's so big and broad. So then continually ask yourself why. So what is your vision for teaching? Maybe what is your vision for teaching literacy? What is your vision for teaching math? You know, go down to the subjects that you find that what is your vision is a little bit too broad for you. And then what I'd like to do is have ask teachers to create a T-chart and say, okay, if your vision is to create engaged or agenic kids, what are some instructional practices that you're doing to support that vision? And so, you know, if you do that reflection and you see yourself saying, oh, like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm having my kids read the same text several days and many of them are disinterested and it's just not something that they're motivated to do. How does that align with this idea of creating motivated kids who want to read? And, oh, okay, what can I do? You know, I have to adhere to that at some point, but what else can I do in the context of my classroom day to make a different choice to support kids um, to maybe read in a different manner? Does that make sense? Yeah, so I think, absolutely. you know, kind of doing that reflection um, and continual reflection and kind of, kind of, connecting to that. And um, I wanted to share too, that there's, 
um, we just, I just was a pre- like so happy and so thrilled to be a part of this, but I was a guest editor for the Peabody Journal of Education. And so um, we did an issue on visioning and it just came out and it's so great because it, it, it has um, articles by so many wonderful colleagues and scholars that, you know, what does it mean for visioning for, um, for administrators and community members? What does it mean for visioning in middle grades? And so it's kind of a whole perspective on um, visioning also a little bit more, I would say, theory to practice connected to, to research. So I really would recommend also checking out that issue. And please contact me if you aren't able to, you know, if you need some help finding it or access, needing like to access it. Yeah, that'd be a fantastic uh, resource for folks to, for folks to review. So as as a teacher's trying to create a vision, how do they know when they, when they when they've made a vision? How do they know if it's a vision or if it's not a vision, or what counts as a vision, or is a vision visionary enough? Right, right. So, I, I, you know, that's a really good question, and I, you know, I still think for myself, I'm always trying to hone in my vision and think about my vision. And um, my students in my class now, they're they're asking me, "Well, Margaret, what's your vision?" And and I think. One of the things that I really appreciate is this idea of just continually reflecting, right? I think when you are continually asking whether or not it's a vision, I think that's part of you're on the right track, right? So if you're wondering, you know, um, I really want my students to be able to, and they're a little bit broader than, let's say, standards and outcomes. So it's not, you know, I, I want my students to, you know, become fluent in math, mathematic facts. It's not as minute as that, although that's an important objective, right? It's a little bit more of what do you want them to accomplish, let's say, as mathematicians. So I want my students to develop um, an interest in math so that they can see the real world connections. So I think when you think of it, it's sort of a little bit broader than the nuts and bolts of objectives and standards. I think that that's also another key that you're on the right track. I almost, you know, think of it as, you know, the vision is, is, creating the house and the structure, right? And then the specific objectives of I want my kids proficient in this or be able to do this. It's, we're not talking about throwing out the curriculum here. We're just making a framework for it for all the furnishings. And that yeah, the, that's so The carpet funny. and the drapes and the couches, but it's yeah. it's an overall framework to house what and what you're trying to do in the classroom in a, in a cohesive way. Yeah, I love that, Jake. That's really a great, smart connection to, you know, I do think it's that foundation that, you want to have, and then you build upon it. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's, it's recursive. You go back and forth, you make revisions. It's sort of like the never ending house plan. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's a little close to home right now. Right, right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, what does, you know, systematic review is that's, that's big work to do. Where do you see the future of, of visioning research heading? Um. So, uh, you know, what I'd like to do, and I invite your, your, um, your listeners, if they're interested in vision, to please contact me. And, um, I, you know, I think what would be really exciting is to try to come up with um, additional insight of how to put vision into practice. You know, Hammerness talks a lot about how there is a wide gap between one's vision and one's practice. And so part of my goal is a as my vision, right, and in, in the work that I do with teacher educators and in schools is to help figure out ways to bridge that gap between the visions that teachers have and the practice that they want to do. And so 
for me, that's kind of where I think the exciting connection to visioning is um, going forward is how can we as educators and, you know, working alongside teachers and administrators, how can we support visions to be inclusive of, you know, teachers' voices, community members, parents, administrators' voices? How do we bridge those gaps to connect it to really rich, um, connected practice? Love that. That's, that's a good direction to head. Um, so this has been a great conversation about visioning, but you've also been like, as a very busy in other areas, you have uh, the, the Principles of Effective Literacy Instruction book that you co-edited with Dr. Seth Parsons. We interviewed him about that last summer, but you also have two other books that have come out uh, recently. Do you want to give a quick plug for oh, both of those? Yeah. Thank you so much too for, um, Jake reviewed one of the books. Um, so there is this one book that I have uh, it's Student Agency in the Classroom, um, Honoring Student Voice in the Curriculum. And that's with Teachers College Press. And I love that because that is um, my experiences as a classroom teacher and my work now over the last decade or so. Um, and so that's just really how do we provide opportunities for student agency and voice in the classroom across span, you know, across grade spans. And visioning is in there. It's connected to that and also adaptability. So I, I, I love that. And then there's also a book that I, um, I co-wrote with my um, colleague, uh, Dr. Dixie Massey, and it's um, Children's Literature Theory to Practice with Guilford um, Press. And the idea with that book is how do we incorporate a purposeful approach to using texts, books, and literature in schools with kids um, to help them to develop engaged learning experiences? And also there's visioning in there as well, because it's, you know, developing and cultivating a vision for teaching, reading in a way that's authentic and purposeful for kids is so important. So um, those are two of my other um, wonderful books that I was just so lucky to have the opportunity to work on. Yeah, I encourage folks to go ahead and, and, and check those out. I've, I've read the one, adopt the other, but I, the other one's on my list and I, um, I, I enjoy the way you freight things. It's, it's, it's very, ah, it just, it feels good. Um, so I, I never really thought about it this way, but this final question that I, I ask all my guests is kind of a visionary question. So it might be interesting <laughs> to, after you give your answer, we can go back and, and check and see what you gave your answer before. But uh, Dr. Margaret, what do you think makes a good teacher? Okay. So I guess right now, I think what makes a good teacher, and I think about this um, right now with where we are with the pandemic specifically, um, well, I just, you know, I think teachers are the best. I mean, they're just, they're just wonderful. But I think when I think about what makes a good teacher, I think having that ethic of care, um, and I do think I remember answering it similarly in the, in the, I, I just, I am just always so impressed with how teachers have a sense of care that overrides and drives them in, in really challenging context. And so I think if I had to answer what makes a good teacher, I think it's, it's, a, you know, having an ethic of care, developing a vision that's inclusive of, of students and their backgrounds and, 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 um, yeah. And, and just being present and, you know, having the fortitude to withstand, um, the barriers in the context that we're in. And so, um, I think teachers rock. <laughs> Margaret Vaughn, thank you for joining us on the teaching literacy podcast. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
a great big thank you to Dr. Margaret Vaughn for joining us on the show. I really appreciated what she had to say about teacher visioning and her perspective on it and, and her findings from her systematic review, as well as her model for teacher visioning that she presented. For my two cents, I just want to offer a few thoughts on teacher visioning. One thing that I firmly believe in is that as educators, you and I are drawn to the field for larger reasons than the day-to-day -day life as a teacher. And we're there for largely altruistic reasons that there's a lot that a teacher gives into the classroom and it's so that others may benefit. And no one will deny that the classroom teacher life is really challenging, especially in, in these times. There's a lot of dynamic moving pieces. Teachers feel a really heavy load. The reason I'm drawn to Dr. Vaughn's work around teacher visioning is I feel that teacher visioning can be an antidote to help mitigate the challenges of being a classroom teacher. It's always going to be challenging. It's always going to be a hard thing to do because we are doing hard things in the classroom. We are preparing the future of tomorrow, today. That, that, that is not easy work. That will always be an uphill battle. But at the same time, the threat of burnout is always present. But if we can be really in touch with the vision of who we are as a teacher and what we want to achieve in the classroom, I believe that we can make the challenges of the classroom work for us rather than against us. In the episode, I offered the idea of your vision is like the house and then you can take the curriculum and you can take the core and you can take your state initiatives or your district initiatives and you make that fit within your house. But without the house itself, everything just gets scattered all across the lawn without really any organization. I know that early on in my career, uh, even before I was a teacher, I was initially drawn to the field because I felt I had a vision of being able to support youth. And I remember thinking early on in my teacher ed program, like, is this for me? Do I even like kids? I didn't. I never interacted with kids before I was in the teaching program. So I was worried about that, but I, I felt compelled to be there. And luckily, it was 100% the right choice. But that vision supported me very early on. Even before I was a teacher, it supported me early on in the classroom. And my, my teaching vision, it still supports me now in my, my current position, the things that I do. And it does continue to evolve and grow. But I just would encourage you to take 10 minutes. You know, lock yourself in a room, whatever you need to do. But just take 10 minutes and sketch out what do you, what, who do you want to be as a teacher? What do you want to accomplish and what do you want your kids to know? And spend a few minutes doing that. And then I would spend another few minutes saying, okay, now how can I take the resources at my disposal, my instructional minutes throughout the day and my curriculum, and, and how can I have my cake and eat it too? How can I use all of the things that I need to get done in the day to work towards my higher goal, my higher teacher vision? And I think as we work towards that, I think that makes our jobs more fulfilling. I think it gives the students a richer experience as well. So just to close things out, teacher vision, if you don't have one, get one. This is Jake with the Teaching Literacy Podcast. I appreciate all the support that you give me. The best way that you can support the podcast is by sharing it with a colleague. So I would encourage you to do that. And until next time, let's go and teach reading just a little bit better.